0: doing and welcome to episode number 147 of the John Riley Project. And today I'm very pleased to have as my guest, Cindy Seitzma, candidate for Poway Unified School Board. Um, Cindy, how are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you. How are you this afternoon, John?
0: Great. You know, we got a chance to get to know each other, did a little phone call about a week ago, scheduled this. And I just love having political candidates, especially local political candidates here on the podcast. So, you know, the voters can get to know you, um, you know, we, we can go as long as we want talking about the issues. And I think we can have some fun tonight or t- this afternoon. Um, h- How's it going? I mean, you got the campaign going. I bet visited your website. How is it out on the campaign trail right now? What are some of the things that you're, you're hearing from potential voters?
1: Uh, Well, so far i've i've heard nothing but you know a lot of encouraging words and uh support for me will, my willingness to do this uh it, it, in light of so many hot topic issues right now i, I i've been getting are you, you're still willing to to do this and and absolutely i am uh it's it's been a it's been a quiet summer um And, you know, with school, well, the first day of school is now nearing. It's been pushed back a little bit. But uh, I anticipate things are starting to, going to start to, you know, get a little bit hotter in terms of, you know, the conversations. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited to go out there and have um, hopefully engaging conversations uh, and just keep our district going in, in a positive direction.
0: Well, I think, you know, all of us that live here in the community, a lot of us live here because of the school district, because we value the schools and we value obviously our children. You know, I, I speaking for myself, my wife and I moved here to Poway um, right after we were married and before we had children, because it's such a great place to raise a family. Um, so maybe you could, let's get started before we start getting into the heavy, hardcore issues. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about you personally, about, you know, your family, where you grew up, you know, your background in education, your career, you know, give me a, a thumbnail sketch of uh, of who Cindy Seitzman is.
1: Sure, my pleasure. Well, uh, like you and your wife, uh, my husband and I chose to move to Poway a little over 18 years ago, and kids were not even on the horizon yet. Uh, right. He's from the Midwest, and I'm a local girl. Um, I was uh, moved to penasquitos when I was four, and went all the way through Poway schools. Graduated from Mount Carmel, mm-hmm. and so he leaned on my expertise in terms of if we're going to have kids someday, where's where should we land. Mm. and being that he's from the Midwest he wasn't quite comfortable with like what his comfort level was Uh, he's not a city boy Uh, we were living in the city just uh, about five miles out of downtown and he needed to go someplace that felt a little bit more like home and I knew the area so it was definitely a compromise to move to Poway Um, Being that I grew on the other side of the 15, um, back then there was only two high schools. So there was Mount Carmel and there was Powie High. So Mm -hmm. I moved into Titan territory as my (laughs) friends.
0: You're a Sun Devil, right? I'm, I'm <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> You know, we, we still love you here, you know,
1: I'm, 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 I'm own, I own it now. I'm good. I, you know,
0: okay.
1: I, I don't know that I still, I, I don't know that I'll ever, you know, completely bleed green, but it'll be red and green someday. Well, After I'm you
0: elected. We, you have to be neutral, right? You can't either,
1: green. either way, <laughs> either way. <laughs> when we are a year out from stepping onto a high school campus with our, with our child. And, um, okay it's uh it's i'm in i'm in a good place it's amazing how many of my high school buddies uh are not that way it's still <laughs> 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 they're still very much those those lines so uh but but anyway i'm thrilled to make Poway my home i it I love being in the foothills and hearing the, the animals, you know, the wild animal not, at night and that there's horse buttons at the crosswalk. And I, I it, it definitely, I, I realize I'm definitely more of a, of a country in the city girl than, than I thought um, I'd ever be growing up. So we're really happy that we made uh, Poway our home. Um but,
0: in the country, so it's perfect. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, uh, and I like that everything's close by. We don't have to go very far to get what we need <clears throat> and for entertainment. Um, but like I said, I've, um, I've grew up in the area. I've lived here um, in this area almost, almost my entire life. Um, <clears throat> I was very fortunate in, um, I feel like how a unified really prepared me for for college. Uh, and I did I was very successful in my college track. And I'll I'll circle back to why I feel like Power Unified really, really prepared me for that um, as an educator myself. Uh, I earned a bachelor's degree from Fresno State in criminology uh, and I had the unique opportunity to have some internships that dealt with uh, gangs. I worked with the sheriff's department. I worked with kids who uh, were either runaways or uh, abused. And as a a young adult myself, uh, I fell very quickly into the mentorship role and learned how to be a really good listener. And I earned. I also earned my uh, certificate in um, mediation, so that I could help um, victims who had been um, um, victims of, uh, of various various crimes. And I got to go go on to um, crime scenes and. Uh, just, just be there for the victims while the sheriff's department was doing their thing. So that as, as a young adult, it was a uh, very eye opening and, and empowering to just be a hand there. Uh, from there, I was hired on as a correctional deputy for the San Diego Sheriff's Department. Moved back down here, where I ended up um, moving back down here. I ended up meeting my husband, who was in the Marines at the time. And I uh worked for a couple of years in the sheriff's department and I just in the back of my head it was I, I didn't have enough education yet. I wanted more. So uh and when I was in high school, I was privileged enough to be a teacher's aide. And it was one of my favorite times in high school. Uh, I worked with the kids with moderate to severe disabilities. So I decided while I was working for the Sheriff's Department to go to Cal State San Marcos, I got dual teaching credentials in both general education and special education. And uh, shortly thereafter, I ended up having to leave the Sheriff's Department because it was too difficult to do my student teaching. Um, and work the twelve and a half hour shifts that were required yeah. <laughs> at the time, so it was right. uh, you know it, and it was okay. I, you know my my path was pointing me in a different direction. Uh, I moved right on to completing my master's degree in education and focused on gangs in um, middle schools in um, San Diego County. Uh, I was able to interview a lot of my own students, um, with parent permission, of course, cause I had IRB approval. Mm-hmm. I worked in Logan Heights for a couple of years where many of my kids, um, were either in gangs, they'd have family member in gangs and the community itself was, it was a closed campus because of the, uh, the community, um, had a high crime, um,
0: that's incredible. I mean they're they're recruiting gang members in middle school yes wow it starts early yes it does
1: and I I moved from Logan Heights to Tierra um uh Tierra Santa Mm -hmm. um and I taught in middle school there and I was surprised given that it was uh a more it was more of a bedroom community at how much the kids were knowledgeable of g- gang affiliation, even in Tijuana. Wow! Um, and it was also a military community too. There, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of um, families that moved in and out. Uh, I, after I completed my master's degree, um, we still weren't quite ready to have kids, so I decided to go ahead and um, pursue my PhD. In human services, and I was teetering back and forth on which career I really wanted to follow. Um, so I had one foot in each camp. I ended up getting my Ph.D. in human services uh, with a background in uh, criminal justice. Wow! And then I ended up writing my dissertation on No Child Left Behind. Uh, I did an archival study on. Uh, graduation suspension and expulsion rates on all high schools that were in existence in San Diego County at that time. Um, And that was about 12 years ago that I, that I did that study Uh, because I was very passionate about um, what they were doing in the schools at the time. I was working in San Diego Unified and the teaching to the test was a conversation that, all teachers were having, uh, I was still in my twenties at the time and listening to my colleagues about how the direction that teaching was going, they felt like uh, their hands were tied in a lot of ways and that kids weren't getting the exposure to the programs and the clubs that they so need to diversify their, um, their, their background and, and their, making them more well-rounded. Uh, that was San Diego Unified. So as we were researching, you know, where to live, and I was I, I was having conversations with folks that I knew up in the Poway Unified area, I was thrilled to hear that Poway Unified still very much um, embraced the, the programs and the clubs to give kids those outlets beyond the reading, writing, and, and arithmetic. So it's an, another one of the reasons how, how we ended up here. Uh, I, I, I want my kids to have that exposure to beyond uh, just the hardcore academics.
0: Yeah, uh, the being an academic. here are great. I mean, sports, robotics. I mean, there's a just a litany of clubs a, that they can get involved in. I mean, it's a, it's a great mm-hmm. culture here for our kids yes. to grow up. Yeah, no doubt.
1: Yeah. Being, being an academic myself, I, you know, obviously I I know and I see the value in in all of that, but there's, there's more to the individual than just Mm. uh, reading, writing and, and arithmetic. Um, So I, uh, I started as, as a special ed teacher in San Diego Unified. Um, I worked with, Students who had mild-moderate disabilities, moderate-severe disabilities, emotional disabilities, um, were in and out of juvenile hall, and I was a a special day class teacher. Uh, I became a department chair, uh, which had a a lot of administrative responsibilities for those educators out there who are department chairs, Uh, and... Then I became a resource teacher. As a resource teacher, I did more um, push-in, less pull-out, um, which meant I was in the general ed environment, and I worked with all the kids. Uh, obviously, I had my caseload of those who I was uh, had to make sure that those kids were meeting their goals um, and their benchmarks, but I, I worked with all the kids, and all the kids knew that. It was It was a joy to be able to work work with all of them and to work in all of the areas of academics and not just the two courses that I was specifically assigned to teach. And the rest of the time I was pushing. Um, And while I was there, I noticed that the the number of students who struggled with reading was – Significant. So I took additional training um, through the Learning Resource Center and I developed a a reading center at at the middle school. Um, I did the Linda Mood Bell training for educators out there. They'll know what Linda Mood Bell training is. And I successfully helped to bring a lot of kids who were significantly behind reading to um, reading much closer to grade level. And uh, I left the middle school. I was um, recruited by my my former principal, who was opening up an alternative high school for kids where maybe the traditional track wasn't the best route for them. Uh, it was for high school. The kids were there three days a week doing their academics. The other two days a week, they were at internships.
0: Oh,
1: nice! And he needed a special ed teacher to create and run this program at this alternative high school. So I, I got to be that person. I, it was perfect timing for me because I had just entered into the doctorate program. So uh, I didn't have to be on campus two days a week because the kids were not there. So three days a week I worked with the kids and the other two days a week I was working on my, my doctorate degree.
0: Oh, perfect.
1: Uh, so that's, that's my, Educational background. After I graduated, or actually shortly before I graduated with my doctorate degree, I knew that I really wanted to get my foot in at the university, so I applied as an adjunct. On top of finishing my degree and working at the school, I became an adjunct at National University. Uh, I started picking up classes there. I worked in the School of Education, so I was working with up and coming um, new teachers. Uh, I worked with, I taught the courses and I was doing some field supervision. I, um, after a couple of years of working as an adjunct, they brought me in one day and asked if I wanted a full-time job. So I, for the last 16 years, I've been working as a professor professor at national university. Mm -hmm. I, um, one of the requirements as a professor, well, actually, we had three main criteria that were that were um, we were responsible for: um, teaching, service, and scholarship. Uh, the teaching kind of goes goes without saying. I, you know, I had to teach my course load every year. Um, our service was to the university. I had to sit on a variety of different committees um, and serve the university. And um, our scholarship, we are required to uh, continue to write and publish and do presentations. And I that was one of one of my favorite parts is uh, I got to research in areas that interested me most. Um, most of them revolve in the area of education, um, promoting, you know, looking at gender gaps to social injustice in the classroom. Um, Kids who have parents that are in prison. Um, a, a wide range of subject matter on, on kids and education. Uh, I, I've traveled all over the world to be able to do presentations and continue to research with um, colleagues. Um, I was, <clears throat> after uh, a, I, I ended up developing a master's program with an emphasis. Um, It was juvenile justice with an emphasis in special education. Um, There was a, a significant number of studies that have been done that the number of kids that are in our detention facilities have some kind of learning disability or other disabilities, and those numbers are not getting any lower, unfortunately. So we wanted to be able to offer a program to bring together teams of professionals, educators, community members, uh, law enforcement to have a program that brought them together to one help teachers understand uh, it, you know um, <clears throat> kids that are going into the detention facility and, we're, and having to work with law enforcement. law enforcement definitely needed to have a better understanding of, of you know when they're identifying these kids that some kids aren't able to uh, read the officer and they react simply because their social cues are, are not, are, are off. Mm,
0: right.
1: Um, and uh, so with, with that program, it wasn't, it wasn't doing so well in the, the school of education. So because I have unique credentials, they decided that it might be a better fit with the other social justice programs. So the program, along with myself, was transferred over to professional studies, uh, where we gave it a good fight, but the university was starting to take some different turns, and uh, we ended up having to teach out the program before it really took off. Uh, So I've been teaching classes on juvenile justice and criminal justice uh, for the last seven, seven years. Uh, again, I do a lot of course writing curriculum development rewriting of courses i i've taught in different online platforms, which definitely was to my advantage and my children's advantage and over the last few months is uh my my comf- my comfort level is um, goes without saying when it comes to online platforms well,
0: Can we take that as let 's say a jumping off point to talk about online <laughs> education because you know, school's about to start, and, you know, we're dealing with COVID, and and I know the school district was considering a plan to have all the st- students go into the classroom. There was another plan to have all the students to be online. Now there's sort of a hybrid, I guess, where families can choose one or the other. I don't know if they can choose a mix of the two. I, I don't recall, but I'd be interested in your thoughts on online education, what you know about it, and how you think your skill there might apply to some of the challenges that Poway Unified is facing.
1: Sure. Um, well, our, so the direction that the school district is going right now, as of uh, an email we received, I, I believe Friday afternoon, um, the families have a choice and we just did our, our uh, family commitment form. Hmm that if you are wanting to be, you have your child in person, if you're looking at the virtual academy, or if you are looking at some other alternative uh, charter schools, uh, homeschool, uh, you will have the option to, at the semester, make a change. Um, if you're ready to make a change, if your family, um, Dynamics needs the change, uh, but there has to be the room there. Uh, The current model for on-campus is going to be morning and afternoon sessions. Uh, It looks like they're going to do their best to try to make sure that family units have the same time uh, I I only have two children, so I can I can only imagine. You know, you've got lots of you know more than two kids, yeah, you really <laughs> and do. you've got some you know some in morning and some in afternoon. And obviously, mm-hmm. different campuses. Uh, so that that's definitely going to be a, a, a an uphill battle to to try to make sure that they've got all that coordinated with like, thirty six thousand families and. Uh, the majority of those families, there's there's sibling units within. Uh, <clears throat> so those are the choices that they have. Where do I stand with online learning? Uh, obviously, I teach it, so I'm very comfortable with it. And I know it's, it's definitely not for everyone. I've I've worked with adults um, in the online uh, platform, and it's not for all adults. You right, really sure. got to be you've got to be organized. You've got to have good time management, um, and it's 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 not always the right fit for everybody. It's for for adults. It's a a way to balance family life, work life, and get a degree or uh, or change careers. Uh, but so many struggle with that, and they still require the the instructors to kind of. Give them that handheld nudge on on you know this is this is how to read the class yeah. mm-hmm. I've always made myself available i I've got you know stellar reviews from students from over the years they they always felt you know it was very approachable and and willing to you know i can't do the work for them, but I'm there to advocate and guide them uh, if they've wanted that. The second chance like I completely screwed up you know where we we learn from our mistakes if they come forward and ask me can I have a second chance to resubmit this I, you know I'm willing to work with students if you've got emergencies I'm willing to work with them but the communication I feel when when you lose the face to face it goes down uh for adults um, I mean I've I've spent the majority of my adult career on the computer and I consider myself really good at communication, but things slip by. Uh, our, our teachers, our K-12 teachers, our, our preschool through, through 12th grade teachers, they went into the profession because they wanted to work with kids. Right. And what I've heard from conversations with parents is that some teachers are really savvy with the online environment mm-hmm. and others. That's not, that's not their training. Um, their, their level of knowledge is kind of where I would say the kids are probably have more expertise than, <laughs> than a lot of, a lot of the teachers. And I, and I don't say that to, to criticize. We have amazing no. teachers in our district, but You're they, the children. <laughs> they wanted to go, I, you know, I, I I've had to, call my own kids and am um, <laughs> with this, this, this Google Chrome, Chromebooks, Google the docs. Yeah. I, you know, thank goodness. I, I have a teenage daughter cause it's, uh, it's new to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all
0: right. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. You know, uh, but we, we have to take this as an opportunity to learn from each other. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, we're, we're going to grow and evolve with this because it's looking like even though the school year date has been pushed back to September 2nd, there's a pretty high probability that we're all going to start virtually, regardless if you chose online or not. And, uh, at least, at least we've had a little exposure now. Uh, so Mm -hmm. we need to be, um, a support for those families that are brand new to this, that have kindergarten kids coming in, or maybe you know they're they're moved from somewhere where it was very small and they didn't have to necessarily. They were still able to keep their on-site classrooms. So the I, I don't know if the platform is going to change, but I I offered assistance when we first put our kids online back in March. Um, I reached out and said, I'm an expert at this. I'm very comfortable with online. If you if you want help, I'm still there. And I and I, I reached nice. out, I've got some parents who are like, can you take my kid come the fall? <laughs> can you work with them? Because I have to go back to work. I can't yeah, you know. So I feel very fortunate that I You know, my, my, I work from home so I can toggle between work and supporting my kids when, when they get stuck and remind them, you know, take a lunch break, you know, take, take a recess break, Mm. you know, no, the screens are off limits right now. You know, I I can still do that. And, uh, but there's so many families that are not, it is, it is a, we will get through it. Uh, but we're all going to have to, you know, be a support for, you know, the teachers and the kids uh, all over the place. Uh, And we're resilient. So I know, I know we'll get there.
0: Well, I think it's interesting that you have this background, because this is an area where I think Poway Unified is still figuring it out. Um, It seemed that, you know, no one expected this COVID crisis to hit. And, you know, it took them a little bit of time to kind of spin up their online program. And, I would imagine that some of the uh, people at district headquarters were probably pretty busy over the summertime getting ready um, for online. But to your other point, I think it's interesting. Yes. Some students, um, it's not for everyone, but some students can really, really thrive in an online environment. Other students really need that face to face and kind of having their hand held. And it's kind of nice that, you know, at least in this environment, parents have a choice. Now, Obviously, they're going to be choosing sometimes based on their family logistics requirements because, you know, mom and dad work and they got to figure out how to do that. But hopefully some families are able to choose based on what's going to make the most sense for their child um, to get the best possible education. But this is tricky times. I mean, we're learning as we go. And even if you have a student that really wants to be in a classroom environment, it's still kind of shaky what's going to happen. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think it's going to start off all online. And then who knows what the future is. I think they're going to kind of take it as it comes.
1: Yeah, I will forever remain optimistic. Yeah. Uh, but because, you know, that's that's you know all I really have to lean on. Uh, I mean, I, I like everybody else. I have my, my day that I just want to complain. But at the end of the day, it's like, I feel better. I got it off my chest and now we just have to, to move forward.
0: Right. Yeah. That's all good. You know, um, it's interesting. You mentioned that the school district is, is giving students the opportunity to go to a charter school as opposed to going to one of the traditional um, public schools. Um, How many charter schools do parents have a choice to pick from? Oh,
1: (laughs) the, yeah. You know, you, you'd be surprised. The I, I haven't looked at the numbers in, in quite a while, but even when I was uh, teaching in Standing Unified, the age of parents shopping for classrooms was becoming a thing, uh, which was you know we we didn't have that you went to the school that you were zoned for, and the question uh, but research shows that you know, you can't take a round peg and force it in through a square hole and uh, being a special educator, I get that you know every student has an individualized education plan, and the your general ed classrooms the the teacher's approach is to teach to basically the, the middle ground they do their assessments in the very beginning and then they give it their best to challenge those kids who need those challenge the more challenging uh, curriculum put in front of them and then there's the kids that are uh, delayed and just have a heart they show up every day they give it their best effort but they're um, just constantly trying to keep up with the other kids in in their classroom uh, academically socially and and those are the kids that really need that one-on-one attention when you have a you know 25 to 1 or 35 to 1 ratio it's it's really hard and it's to uh, so many teachers, at least in this this district, um, parent, teachers are blessed with uh, parent volunteers who are willing to come in and do small group. Uh, I've been one of those volunteers every single year uh, to to work with those small groups, the pull out. Uh, being a being a credentialed teacher, teacher, teachers loved me having me there because they didn't have to um, be present with me because I've, I've had that training and I was cleared. Um, but you, you want to see each one of those kids grow and feel successful. And even if it's just those, the tiniest little aha moment is makes what you're doing so worthwhile.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think, you know, speaking for myself, I, I can point to certain times in my educational history where a teacher opened up my eyes to certain things and my life took, you know, it was like an inflection point. I, I went down a new pathway and learned new things because of being, um, you know, those teachers enlightening me. So that's big.
1: Right. And, and and it could have just been the teacher that really made you feel welcomed in the classroom because you didn't right. necessarily get that at home every day you were okay. kind of had to stand yeah. on your own and the classroom is the place that you you spend a third of your childhood <laughs> in the third of yeah so just have that adult know that you know they you look forward to seeing that person that's gonna, just going to give you that hug or that high five and Academically, there might not have been the growth, but socially, you have got the love that you needed right then and there, um, and that carries with you forever. Uh, so, where we go from here, every day seems to be different. We're all <laughs> following what you know, what the CDC says. We all need to do our parts so that we can get our kids back into the classrooms full
0: time. Um, well, parents, you know, you see a lot of the chatter on Facebook. Um, a lot of parents are rightfully, you know, worried, concerned. Um, there's, I've seen some criticism of our superintendent um, because she doesn't have a plan, but I think they're, it's hard to plan. It's such an uneasy <laughs> time. It, things are very fluid. Um, so it is, yeah, we're gonna figure it out as we go. Um, if you don't mind, let me like jump into a different area. I, I was reading on your website that you um, had done some substitute teaching um, at Garden Road. And while you were there, um, you said that you witnessed some of the disrepair in the buildings and you had made a comment about the bond measure. Um, and you know, obviously that came before the voters in March and it failed. I'm curious to know, number one, you know, what did you see personally at the school uh, on campus that needed significant maintenance and what are your thoughts on the bond measure and the right way to go forward to do those repairs um, across the entire school district? Okay.
1: <clears throat> well, um, Garden Road is one of the older schools and I've, I've, I've spent a fair amount of time on Twin Peaks. Uh, so those are the two campuses that I'm, I'm most familiar with. Uh, and I've with my kids in sports, I, I I do get to see some of the external buildings, but, um, I I can't speak to each, each school isn't, I have not been a strong presence on all of them. Uh, I've been in every single classroom at garden road, um, many at Twin Peaks and a lot of patch jobs, uh, the you know a lot of mold um chunks of ceiling that are you know sometimes coming coming down um the you know the yard itself you know in in the heat uh you know the kids don't have a, a lot of options for where to stay out of the heat and, and the the juggle of you know um, making sure that you know uh, first and foremost is their safety and their health always right <clears throat> Uh, exposure to heat, uh, equipment that's breaking down, and they they don't have the funding to uh, replace those those things. Having been um, very involved with both the the, the PTA and and uh, the, the foundation, um, my my husband's been the foundation chair. Um, <clears throat> the uh, Garden Road, in particular, was Title I, lost Title I because the federal government adjusted uh, what constituted a Title I school. So Title I funding um, was kind of what a lot of schools, was the, the driving force between a lot of schools having a foundation. Um, PTAs, the way fundraising worked for PTAs is money in, money goes out. Um, it has to be spent on the kids, on the families that helped to raise those funds. The difference with a foundation is that um, the funds they could build their funds if they see, oh, we really need some new computer equipment because the computer lab has like 1995 computers in there. Um <laughs> there's broken chairs, there's you know, we've got two broken windows. Uh they could that's where the, the foundation can hold that money. Right. Or if, PTA could not. So the PTA is the service arm um, and the foundation is the fundraising arm at, at so many schools. Uh, so <clears throat> the, um, I, I, I've, I've been to all of the meetings in terms, uh, you know, that involve those that involved, you know, the town halls at the schools and what does, what does our school need? Um, and, and it's a a concerted effort to try to raise those funds. Um, the school district is only able to give uh, X amount of dollars per school, and it's it's equitable um, across. Uh, but so that's that only goes so far, and then the the PTAs and the foundations have to do their part to fundraise to um, help fill those gaps.
0: And that'll vary Uh, by school, you know, based on the affluence of the people in those neighborhoods.
1: Definitely. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can speak to, you know, Garden Road runs a very small budget and we feel like we do it pretty, we provide a lot of great programs for the kids. We're able to keep, uh, put new books, current books in the library, Um, help buy new technology when it's needed. Uh, Uh, Get uh, we, we just had a new science lab put in last year, so you know h- helping offset those costs and we run on a, a very small budget of you know maybe maybe about twelve thousand dollars and I, I could be off a little bit and then i'm I'm familiar with another school in Poway. we're much more affluent um, i I had the opportunity to through through kids um, meeting a, a PTA president that oversaw one of the schools they they have a six figure PTA budget yeah. and it, which is it's you know a big difference ten times what yeah. we had at Garden Road um, so I having been a, a huge part of the fundraising arm at at Garden Road uh, I feel like that those are conversations that I feel very comfortable in going on to other schools and seeing um, what do they need help with because we know that I'm a homeowner and I there's constantly repairs that need to be done here. And I only have four people that live in my household. You have <laughs> campuses where yeah. everything is being, um, you have tons of hands manipulating, going in and out of doors, you know, hundreds of kids and, and adults and, and volunteers and things break down. And it's not in the, the, the individual school's budget. Um, let alone the, the school district budget to uh, take care of the repairs that need to happen. Um, I, I, it's my understanding that the, the gym at Powie High is the original gym.
0: Uh, yeah, it's pretty from, bad shape.
1: Yeah, I haven't been there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I, as, as I've already mentioned, I went to Mount Carmel. I was a, a swimmer. And when my my daughter was doing water polo, and she was swimming at Poway High, like the pool still has the same uh, <laughs> little Mars that I saw mm-hmm. when I was a kid and came to Poway High and had to swim in their pool. Uh, so you know that's decades that these things they they have to balance. You know the, the kids have to be educated. Uh, so that's first and foremost is you know they have to pay the teachers, and that's a significant chunk of of the of the budget um and then there's all the other stuff that goes along with it the materials and you know uh, but it's it's a juggling act um and you know I know that the the bond um which widely known it didn't pass and what's what's going to happen going forward i don't know um those are right now um you know behind closed door conversations but i think they've got bigger things that they're concerned with right now like getting school started
0: um <clears throat> but hunches is, is that before covid i think they were probably going to have it on the ballot in november since it failed in march and they were going to keep coming back um but yeah the covid thing threw everything you know, a curveball. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting, you know, you you're talking about the, the pool still having, you know, the things that you recognized decades ago. It, it's interesting that we had the billion dollar bond and that didn't fix the things that we really, you know, a lot of things that needed repair. Then on top of it, the school district has a $400 million a year budget. They get $400 million a year that flows in mm-hmm. that to me maintenance, I always thought should be in the regular budget. Like a bond made sense to me if you were building a new school. Um, but if you were just like replacing ceiling tiles or repairing a leaking roof or a broken air conditioner, you would think that could come out of the $400 million a year annual budget. Um, but yeah, everyone wants a slice of that pie. You know, there's a lot of competition for those dollars. He
1: does. I, I mean, the, the, previous bond uh, everybody knows it it was it was a bad deal and i know this current board and administration is you know trying to pave a new path forward um and and do right and it's it's hard because people don't want to put out more money um it, it it's it's a it's a juggling act. Uh, what's going to happen? I, I don't I don't know. Um, I I hope to be a part of that conversation. Um, I I consider myself. I mean, at home, very successful in running our budget, and I never overextend us. Uh, to take a loan is like okay, we can do this, and this is what we can put out each month, and I want the loan paid off this quickly because I don't, I don't want that wing on our shoulders. Um, I, I have a Girl Scout troop, which, um, I'm not the treasurer, but I have to make some decisions with regards to that budget. And I maintain total transparency with the parents of my troop, as well as the girls, because it's, it's their money. Um, the, the things that we do with that money directly impacts them. It doesn't impact me. Um, I'm just, I'm just the leader, but you know, it, to, I've been teaching them about how to run a budget. Uh, I, I, I'm going to venture guess that most of us have made, have made poor decisions at one point in our life, financially poor decisions <laughs> <Yeah>. that
0: <laughs> I can say, I have certainly
1: we've, we've had to learn from those mistakes yeah. and hopefully we don't make that same mistake again. Uh, right. But to, run the budget. I, you know, I'm talking about a family or a, you know, a mm-hmm. decent sized troop for this area, uh, you know, to looking at the budget for a, um, a school district where you've got thousands of families relying upon those decisions and, Everyone's going to have their own opinion. It's it's important to listen and to respect those opinions, uh, and to um, ultimately, you're not going to make everyone happy. But to uh, make it well known why you're going to have to make the decision that you have to make, and be transparent about what's happening um, mm-hmm. with that movement, and while a percentage of the voters, um, parents in, in your area are still not going to like it. Hopefully you at least gain their trust and respect saying that you're, you're standing behind, um, and being transparent in, in your decisions. And there's, there's a respect that can at least remain intact.
0: Well, you, you talk about transparency on your website. And I, I think that's wonderful. Um, because, you know, we're talking about the bond and the billion dollar bond, and there was a, an erosion of trust, you know, when the billion dollar bond was passed. And that was what, like 10 years ago. And I think embracing transparency is the way to rebuild that public trust. And, um, and I think, you know, you making that, you know, I read your roadmap on your website and you made that a focal point of being transparent. Um, I think that's critical, you know, explaining, why you vote the way you vote, and um, you know, having how should I say, just being an open book. You know, they always say what sunlight is the best disinfectant. So, um, I, I, I like that about your campaign is the embracement of transparency, not just as um, uh, you know, not just as a throwaway phrase, but as something that you legitimately believe in. Um, whole wholeheartedly. In- Um, let's, let's bounce around here. A couple of other things to talk about. Um, again, like on your roadmap, you talked about a number of topics. Um, one of them we already touched on, which is the, was, um, the fundraising and the PTA. And, um, I actually want to go back to that. I want to talk about one more thing. Does it ever strike you as odd that, you know, again, we have a $400 million a year budget. Um, and the PTA and the teachers are always like begging just to have school supplies for the classrooms. Some things that should be, you would think would be really basic things in a budget, but yet they're outside the budget. And we, as parents, you know, as volunteers, we have to fill in the gaps. Um, you know, how, how do you make that all work? You know, because you've got, um, you know, the need for, you know, paying everybody, all, you know, paying for their their salaries and their benefits and their pensions. You've got the need for all the school supplies, the need for maintenance. You know, I saw on your website, you know, you're a big supporter of having more art and music and and um, drama and PE in the classroom. You know, that's great. But how, how do you make it all fit in that budget? Um, any thoughts on that?
1: um well i i'm not i'm not going to speak to the 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 bond um any, anymore <clears throat> okay uh just cuz we don't we don't know where that's going um right. but the i don't know the line item budget that the that the school district runs on um <clears throat> it is for the schools to have to bridge those gaps. And many of them have done that successfully or fairly successfully. And the parents seem to enjoy that sense of community, um, that they're playing a big role in, contributing to their children's education um whatever that looks like uh some it's just making sure their child gets to school each day uh, the the 400 million plus budget that it takes to run a school district i it's a daunting task i i, I can only imagine um i you know i've, I've had small conversations about you know smaller budgets uh, at, at different at different levels. Um you you have to prioritize. Mm-hmm. Uh right. and we learn that, you know, hopefully we we impart that on our children on how to make financial decisions on a on a small level and we build with it. And uh there's the opportunity I know for you know partnerships to help fill those gaps with the the local businesses who right now they're struggling, but there's a way to um, if you list the business at your school, um, if that business is able to give a little bit of uh, a contribution to the school that they, um, are with that's within their area, it, it, it's a win-win because every little bit helps, um, the 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 funding that is required to run so many different things within our district um mm-hmm. a lot of the basic supplies n- no longer fall under the the general budget either uh it's uh, it kind of falls on the parents um, mm-hmm. and you know they, all these other uh small arm Businesses that that do these these fundraisers and uh, donations to make sure that kids have their their necessary supplies. It's the the budget is is directly controlled by whatever Sacramento is willing to, is is able to contribute. Whether it's you know throw out a number you know twelve dollars a student per day or mm-hmm. I don't know the exact number in my head because it, it it definitely changes. But you know, attendance is is critical, and you know, there's the whatever they're able to contribute to the general budget, and then there's the constant you know dipping into the budget that throws every district for a loop. Uh, that forces them to have to think of other creative ways to fill that financial gap, and. <clears throat> we're not, we don't, we definitely do not stand alone. I, I I can't think of any districts out there that are sitting in the black right now, comfortably. No,
0: no, yeah, not now. (laughs) So
1: yeah. Um, And and we're a good sized district. We're not a small district. Uh, So, and we've got uh, an incredibly diverse district as well. Um, Mm -hmm. It's I definitely don't don't have all the answers, um, I'm, and I'm not going to even pretend to. Um, but I can comfortably say that when you know, if I'm fortunate enough to you know be elected, it's uh, I'm a researcher. I've got a long, long history of that, and I don't make quick decisions. I take the facts. And I, and I, and I look at everything in front of me and sometimes it comes to some really hard decisions. Um, hopefully those hard decisions don't involve someone losing their job because that's, that is the hardest decision to have to make. And I, I definitely would not want to be in that position, but that that's unfortunately reality.
0: It is. It's an interesting situation. I mean, because, um, the school district because of COVID and everything else had to seriously deplete the reserves. Um, and, you know, and, and it's kind of questionable what the the student census counts going to be, which affects revenue. You know, this is all part of it's, everything's in, in motion. <laughs> it's hard to figure this out, but um, it's going to be a major challenge, you know, for you, if you're elected for the existing school board members to, kind of re-stabilize things financially just because of COVID alone, um, then you have the separate issues of, um, you know, the fundraising and, you know, the, the the repairs, the Measure P issues that were brought forward. But let, let's um, let's move on just a, a couple of other things. Um, is it okay? Do you have a little bit more time we can go a little I'm further? Good. Okay, good. I'm good, yes. Well, so let's, let's talk about, um, you know, yeah you touched on it a little bit but I think this is a, a a good topic to explore is the need um you know for for special education and for you know we have children with disabilities and I know that's a big part of you know you talk about it in your website give me a little bit of a sense of what you believe the priorities are and the things that how you see the school district working with those families and those children Yeah
1: um so I I've um special education is uh you know of, of my diverse professional educator experience, uh my true passion is definitely with kids with exceptionalities um and the unique ways in which they learn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's through you know through through touch through sight through um uh tangibles in front of them uh s- small group it's with pure buddies um, <clears throat> I've been fortunate over the last few years to substitute quite a bit in the autism classrooms at garden road um which allowed me a unique uh, perspective into um, my background initially was not in, in autism. It was with learning, um, learning disabilities <clears throat> um, and children with autism, the way they view the world is, is different and it's, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It and and with with all with all you know I mean, with all these kids I mean every every child is unique and has their own special talent in which they need to approach the world, um, but I I have always found that you know that you know, it sometimes it's a whole lot harder working with kids that have um, very diverse unique learning needs and they just get that little bit of a success the, the aha the the experience Expression in their face, and you're good. You're good for the rest of your school year. It was that one little moment, and it's it's harder. Uh, I I mean, I've worked in general ed, um, and a lot more kids get quicker, more quickly in the general ed environment. Um, But it's those those special ed kids that um, the bonding that happens is just on a a whole different level. Um, I've, I have, um, as as I've mentioned my, um, my Girl Scout troop, uh, that I've got a couple of girls, they're all going into eighth grade, working on their silver projects, which is a big deal in the Girl Scouting world. And I've got, a couple of girls right now that are looking at building sensory boards for kids who are autistic oh. so it's um, exciting to see that I am able to in a very small way uh, expose these kids in a positive way and they will have a very positive outlook on how to approach a variety of individuals with diverse communication needs. Um, I, I, I could go on and on about some of the other projects that they're working on, but um, there's a couple that are really standing out to me. And that's, that's, that's one of them that they are, uh, right now, they're trying to partner with, with a school or with a with a group, um, and y- you got to know what the needs of those kids are because every single one is is different. You can't assume that um, this is going to work for all of them because it's not. So you go into those classrooms and yeah. the the sensory walls and the the, the manipulatives uh, when they get frustrated. What's going to work for one is not going to work for another uh, it might that other might frustrate another child and to mm-hmm. find that balance uh every day is a new adventure in 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 the classroom um, and i've I've developed a huge amount of respect and and love for working in in this environment where I go home and, and the stories that I have, it's it's like exciting and, um, I, I mean that's it's definitely, uh, I don't know, I'm very passionate about um, being in the classroom with with those kids is is definitely uh, uh, lights up my day and I feel blessed that the um, that having been a a professor at national university for the last 16 years that service to the community is required of us and i i get to go out there and 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 work in the classrooms and volunteer with my kids and continue to learn and grow and nurture and hopefully be a positive role model model for for kids of of all ages and um backgrounds and needs Um, it's Uh, it's what keeps me going every day.
0: Right on. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because there are a lot of families here in our school district who have children with special needs. Um, And my understanding, I mean, I don't know this in any sort of detail, but my understanding is is that Poway does a pretty good job at it. Um, And so it, it attracts some families that move here because of it. But of course, you know, there's never enough, you know, there's always, more that can be done, and it's, again, part of the balancing act of, you know, how a school board member is going to allocate that budget, you know, because the budget kind of is the priority list, Um, you know, and how do you, how do you provide the right resources, and to your point, you know, for some, you know, with children with autism, what works for one is not going to work for another, so it's, it's, this is a very interesting topic, and I think, you know, we're seeing that there's more more children that have autism now than, you know, roll the clock back 20, 30 years ago.
1: And I, I had just kind of piggybacking on that. Um, a, a very dear friend of mine um, who's, you know, she's, she's an instructional aide, a full-time instructional aide in one of the classrooms that I frequently subbed in. And <clears throat> uh, she, knowing that I'm tightly Connected to um, the foundation and their um, the fundraising pieces that they do every year, uh, Garden Road would have an auction, and at, at the end of the auction there uh, they would have a paddle raise, and they always targeted the um, something very specific like uh, we need more uh, books in the library, we need more Google Chromebooks and she approached me and said what do you think about me approaching the foundation and maybe getting a paddle raise or a portion of the paddle raise to support um, special ed so that we could get more funding, um, more uh, manipulatives for the kids in here. And I thought it was a a beautiful idea. And I said, I'll have that conversation for you. So I came home and um, had a conversation with my husband who was embarrassed who he? Guess he just didn't realize that they, they do these huge fundraisers and all of the schools. Um, we we have the fun run as well. Um, I chaired the fun run for three years, and one of the incentives with this particular uh, company that a lot of the schools partner with uh, to do their fun run is that ten percent of all the funds raised in that classroom that teacher gets to keep to put towards things that they need in their classroom. Mm. But the parents of the kids in the special ed classrooms, they don't really participate. uh, Mm. It's unless they have other kids that are in the school um, that they're, they're involved with. um, Usually it's gen ed kids. They, removed we definitely need to do a better job of trying to communicate there's a lot of times there's a language barrier um so we were going to do a paddle raise um obviously we didn't have have any more fundraisers um but we we're just in the early conversations that you know went to the that was brought before the principal who said well they they have a little budget but that you know, the teachers weren't aware that there was a small little budget. It doesn't go very, doesn't go very far, whatever, whatever it was, very, very small. Uh, But we were, the point is that, that, you know, that we were now, at least at Garden Road, the uh, PTA and the foundation's eyes were open to all students. Um, And it just took that one little conversation that, the kids in the general and classes, they're they're getting a lot more, and these kids are every bit a part of this this school this campus as all the other you know ninety five percent of the kids. But this five percent needs to be just as um, included. And mm-hmm. it was going to happen. Darn COVID, <laughs> yeah, but true. we will get back. We will get back there. Uh, So there's not enough funding to bring every need to the classrooms. But what I can say about, you know, having had been a student in Poway Unified, now a parent in Poway Unified, we have some of the most creative teachers out there that they can turn a few coins into gold. And yeah, they're, exist, they're, they're, going to make it happen. Um, I have, I have a complete trust that some need a little bit more, more assistance with that, but most of them, it, it's amazing what they can do in, in a classroom.
0: I agree. Um, some of are yeah, some of them are miracle workers, no doubt about it. Um, let me. I, I'm going to switch again. I, just another topic, and you you had top you, you, you had uh, touched on the issue of social justice. Um, are you familiar mm-hmm. with? Um, it was it was kind of like the hot buzz on some of the Facebook groups here locally about the Instagram um, account. I think it was called Black at PUSD, and there were these stories of of students um, and in some cases even teachers that you know were people of color and. We're explaining some of their struggles that they had. Just wonder if you if you got a chance to take a look at that, or if you had any thoughts on on any of the race issues, as because you know, it's such a hot topic um, right now.
1: It is. Uh, I have um, looked at some of those. I've had conversations with you know my daughter and some of her girlfriends uh, with regards to you know respect inclusivity. Um, right on. We've, I have never, um, I've always lived my life with uh, treating others as I want to be treated, that, you know, I, you know, I want to be the change in the world um, that I want to see. I need to make that happen. And one small voice, if you you're not going to always like everybody, but Mm -hmm. respect is, is a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can show respect, you know, and, and humble yourself, we're going to go a whole lot further. Uh, We've experienced some horrific challenges in our, Uh, country's historical past and we are definitely exposed to some um, very harrowing uh, occurrences right now. Uh, And I can can say that, you know, where I stand, um, the, where my family stands, where I, all of my friends stand. I know that're we're, we're going to get through this and, and it's gonna be better. Um, I hate to hear that anyone is judged for their the color of their skin, their the origin, their family origin, uh, their accent how to pronounce their, their name, um, that doesn't make us better. Um, you, to, to victimize someone, to be a bully is, you know, that's, that's not a character characteristic that, uh, I've ever embraced. Um, I do not tolerate it. Um, If someone has a different viewpoint than me, that's okay. Um, But I would only hope that we could have a conversation on um, why do you feel that way? Um, Please listen to me. This is why I feel this way. And can we meet each other in the middle and and at least respect one another's agree to disagree? Or maybe one of us just opened up the, the other person's eyes as to this is this is going to be a better way for, and more people are going to get on board because it's it's a peaceful approach um, mm-hmm. to bringing your community back together instead of segregating each other. Um, it's it's sad.
0: i to see what the school board ends up doing because I know that they had um, they had issued a proclamation, you know, condemning hate and and um, um, you know support no place for hate. These- these issues of social justice, but it'll be interesting to see what policies um, come forward as a result of it. I think there's a lot of people that are curious. Um, Yeah. Here's a fun question for you. If, if uh, you had a magic wand and you could do anything, if you had unlimited time, unlimited money, what's the one thing you would do to make the school district better?
1: I I, it it would go along the lines of the social justice um, or injustices that all all of our kids and our staffers Mm -hmm. um, would feel accepted because when you're when you're afraid to go to school or uh, it makes learning hard.
0: Yeah, definitely. uh,
1: School should be your safe place uh, because sadly for too many kids home is not that safe place. And, um, it, it should be school. And if, you know, these, these are, these are kids and we can only hope that, uh, we do better with our kids than we did for ourselves.
0: Right on. Yeah. That's, it's a big issue. And, um, you know they're definitely you know we've I've I've heard numerous stories and and you know there's some things that we need to improve on in in our community and in our schools as it pertains to social justice so yeah, very interesting to see what comes forward um from our superintendent from our our school board members hey um you know, we've talked about so many serious things here you know and education social justice funding finance oh my gosh um special needs hey what do you do when when you're not, you know, thinking about school board. I mean, what do you do for fun? Tell me a little bit about, <laughs> you know, what makes you smile and lights you up.
1: Uh, anything, and everything that has to do with my kids. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. From the moment we started, my 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 daughter um, Ziva, an eighth grader and a fourth grader this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, When she started school uh, at Garden Road, uh, we were so excited that we might be able to start to volunteer and be a part of her life. I had some shifts at the university, which allowed me to work more at home, um, because when she was in preschool, we needed a full-time preschool for her, and it was a hands-off anyway. Mm -hmm. It was a Montessori school, no parent volunteers. (laughs) So when she started school, it just was like our, our world's changed for the better. I right away. We, we got involved. I was, I became the the PTA secretary uh, just a few months into the school year. Um, I I have been a part of almost every event at the school as a volunteer and my husband and I, I I've i always say, I have like you know, three full-time jobs. I have, I am I'm, a, I'm a, obviously a, a mom. I have a full-time job at the university and I'm a full-time volunteer. Um, at the school, it's like, there was never, it was never not enough. I could never say no to anything. I've been, I've, I I was the membership coordinator for for the PTA. I was I've been have been a room parent or a co room parent every single year. I've uh, helped with any time a teacher needed a volunteer. I, I I checked the box on like everything, and my flexibility was yeah. oh any time as long as I have a little bit of a heads up. I just shift my workday around so that I could be mm-hmm. in the classroom volunteering with these kids. i, I headed up the fun run um, at the school. Three years in a row I, um, this year I am the the VP of the PTA um, i I volunteer with, with the little league i've been a scorekeeper for for the last couple of years, and uh, that that's an, a focus, intensive focused position. <laughs> and it's all it's all digital now i wanted to i wanted the book to so i could shade in um using
0: game changer when you do that one
1: yes (laughs) using game changer
0: i like i'm an old school guy i like to have the book and the mechanical pencil and and to keep score that way it's 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 kind of zen for me so i'm glad that that you're a, a scorekeeper i like that but I,
1: I I have to say that my my pride is with uh, with my Girl Scout troop. I have oh, nice. uh, I have eleven daughters, um, and watching them grow over the years is uh, brings me as as much joy as it does watching my own two kids. Um, I love each of those girls as if they were my, my own, nice. uh, with each year I've stepped back just a little bit more and allowed them to take the role of, of leader. Um, and where that, that leadership hat, um, uh, you know, empowering these young ladies is so, um, <clears throat> The, the joy that I had the pride that I had in, in watching them overcome things where they were once afraid to do or anything from, a, you know, the challenge course up in the mountains, uh, to, to a zip line to stepping in front of an audience of 50 people to give a presentation on, on how to spell cookies. Uh, we in, in fifth grade, we, We embarked on a big adventure, and they learned how to run a budget. They learned how to plan a trip. We went to San Francisco to participate in the National Bridging Ceremony. Uh, We almost left one girl behind at the airport because her ticket didn't print, and it was a we were traveling with 14 people. I'm I, mean, I have a small family. The memories of that trip in the will last all of us a lifetime and how much they grew I, on coupled with they earned their bronze award last year. They, nice. um, they met with the principal at garden road. They said, we are passionate about this school. We want to leave our mark on us on this school as we leave here. Uh, knowing that so many of them had siblings and a you know, the, the higher rewards, you have to have a take action project. It has to be sustainable in, um, you know, it, it builds. With the as you as you move up in in the levels, but their their bronze award, they chose to um, redo one of the gardens, and it wasn't just okay. Let's just clean it out and put some new plants in. It became a life cycle garden. They interviewed all of the teachers at uh, at the kindergarten and first grade levels to find out what types of things needed to go into that garden to help inspire the life cycle unit for um, those grade levels. to they then had to present and gift the garden to the entire school so they took the lead and at a friday flag ceremony um uh ten of them because one of them did not go to garden road and presented to you know 600 people in the the audience um they have as as there is not a person out there who has never heard of girl scout cookies what is required every year for girl scout cookies is girls have to learn how to run their own business. So yeah. the last two years, my girls had taken it upon themselves to put together the, what's called a cookie rally where uh, girls from all over the County would sign up to come and attend. And they'd go from station to station to learn how to run their own business for six weeks. Nice. Anywhere from, you know, five years old to you know, middle schoolers that had, were, were new to the scouting. And I mean, I would, I mean, I, I was in the, background you know kind of nudging them along making sure that they were getting it done (laughs) and they always were like miss cindy we got it can you we we got it so it was me having to step back and let them take ownership and if there was mistakes they were learning to grow from them and to fix it and then we would uh, we would debrief Afterwards, and say what went right, what went wrong, how are we going to do, what are we going to do differently the next time. um, I have had the distinct pleasure, uh, two years now, of having some of my girls co-present with me on empowering young young women to become tomorrow's leaders at a professional educators conference at at um, the university where I basically wrote the presentation, but they did the presenting. So they would go to sessions with me. um, And I had some colleagues of mine that I I told them, I am bringing some young ladies with me. Um, They were very, very accommodating, exciting. And then the, so that was the first year. And then the second year I didn't bring them and I had, professors from all over the place coming to me and wanting to know where are my girls I was like well I didn't bring them this year well you better bring them next year so (laughs) last last, this is an annual conference that happens in October and so last year I had I had to have the girls come with me and I had several more people when I gave them I, I put it in my notes that the girls will be presenting um I had it was almost a full house because they they wanted to hear from the girls and they were so encouraging, you know, just, you know, bring their level, these girls, these young ladies who were, you know, 11 and 12 years old, that level of confidence that not only are they being exposed to the university, they're working on their public speaking. Uh, uh, They're talking to a group of adults of, you know, these are all individuals that have uh, PhDs and MDs and, um, teach from all over all over the place that you know they're they're doing it and this year they are uh now starting to work on their uh, their silver I have so many different girls approaching it in different ways um from um, um as I mentioned the uh, uh um sensory boards to um wanting to build a library in a domestic violence shelter to I I have uh, another young lady who is really wanting to either do her silver or her gold on um, creating a mural that embraces the um, LGBTQ black lives. I, um where you know, love is love is love, basically right um, and you know we're we're she's she's still in the very, very early planning stages of that, and uh, it might be more realistic for gold and not silver because she's running out of time with the silver. but um, <laughs> yeah. the fact that, you know, I feel so blessed that I get to be a part of these young ladies' journeys as, as I watch them um, open their eyes, um, take on new challenges we have more meetings now than we ever had it was a, a when they started middle school it came down to once a month because they're so busy um in their in their day-to-day lives that we didn't have time to meet but now they're all home and uh, so we meet every week now we have we call them our our troop connects our weekly connections um and they if tell me what's going on in the world. We were, we're earning badges. We're doing skits behind in front of each other. Parents are entertained. It, we, you know, we're learning to evolve with this online platform because we don't have a choice right now. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, Just got meetings over zoom. That's pretty interesting.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and they're not letting this um, obstacle, you know, yeah. Deter them from what they need to do to move them forward, and to continue to um, empower them with uh, leadership skills. So that's definitely my, I yeah, they're my pride.
0: Enjoy. I can tell that really lights you up. I think that's cool. Um, You know, just talking about Girl Scouts and all the things you're doing as a volunteer in the community. Um, yeah, right on. Um, wow. We've covered, like we said, we've covered so much ground here. And we went going, what, well, probably about an hour and a half. Um, how how can people get a hold of you, you know, your website? And and you're also running, is it District E, right? And that's like um, South Poway and Saber Springs, roughly, isn't it?
1: Yes. So all the way along the Poway, Poway Road corridor from Garden Road down to Creekside, uh, including Howie Road, or excuse me, Howie Road, Pomerado, uh, Meadowbrook, and um, Morning Creek is kind of on the the line falling between districts, but obviously a uh, percentage of the voters are on, on the uh, trustee side. Um, my uh, website is live, and it's just uh, com.
0: Okay, and... Just just so our for our listeners and viewers and how do you spell your name? Just so we can get it right. Right. Uh so I don't know if I move. (laughs) Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's right there on view. But some of our people are listening to this on iTunes, you know. Uh, So Cindy C-I-N-D-Y, and then thanks for moving around there. S-Y-T-S-M-A dot com. Cindy Seitzma dot com. That's where they can get more information. They can learn. They can volunteer, they can donate, they can get involved in your campaign or Absolutely. Out and ask you questions, right? Absolutely. I look forward to it. Okay. Well, I really enjoyed this. Um, Thank you. You know, the election isn't for what, like three months, but it's going to start getting hot and heavy here in the campaign mm-hmm. season. But through the COVID era, it's going to be kind of different. Um, uh, so, you know, when do the absentee ballots usually come out? Um, pretty early. I believe it's
1: the, first of, I believe it's the yeah, uh, first of October they go out.
0: And over half or maybe even close to two thirds of the people, I think, vote um, by mail, which is a whole other separate thing, you know, right. being discussed at the national level. But um, yeah, so that I means that tightens up your window even more for the campaign season because people are going to be filling out ballots in early October. So really, it's two months left in the campaign season. So Hopefully you're out there and getting your message out as best you can.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) Yep. I, I, we've, we've got our plan and I've got my uh, strong circle of friends who have come for it and said they're. you know, they're, they're there to support me in any which way. And uh, it's, it's, it's a blessing to know that they have people that are willing to do this for me. So
0: (laughs) right on. Well, Cindy, thank you again for joining me. And, um, best of luck in your campaign.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me.